Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gabrielle Hakoan, and I am here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter, and I am demon-possessed because I have done over 60 trips of acid mixed with speed. Whoa! <laughs> Kidding. I have, <laughs> I have not done over 60 trips of acid mixed with speed. That is an intense thing to start this episode on. Um, this is an intense episode. <laughs> this is an intense episode. And sadly, uh, this episode is not about drugs. Uh, this episode is about something entirely different. But we will get into that because today we are here to talk about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. We are here to educate and to inform our listeners about the dangers of this cult, other cults, and the real and present danger that this sort of ideology poses to society as a whole. We promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, freedom of religion. So if you like this show, there's a few things you can do. You can share the message with your family, your friends. Uh, you can join our Facebook group. 
which is called Eden Exodus. And you can go and join our Patreon, which is going to be patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And we have a Teespring shop where you can buy our merch. Oh, uh, we also wanted to remind people, if you are a listener to the show, if you're a member of the LGBTQ community and you grew up in the IFB or you grew up in another fundamentalist or repressive upbringing, we are doing all queer related content for the month of June for Pride Month. And we'd like to pick some listener stories to share on the air during the month of June. So if you have a story, a happy story, sad story, whatever it is that you would like to share, send that in an email to leavingedenpod at gmail.com. Let us know your correct name and your correct pronouns. Um, and if it's okay to share your name on the air. If you have a story that you'd like to share, we'd love to to share that on the air. Yes, 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 yes. That's uh, something that we are exceptionally excited to do. Um, but enough of announcements. Uh, Sadie, do you want to tell us what we are going to talk about today? Um, because apparently it's going to relate to 60 trips of acid and speed. So <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> so today we are doing an episode that was one of the first episodes that I put on our list of things to talk about. But I wanted to wait until I really felt like we were in a groove and could do this episode justice. Today we are talking about the infamous, iconic chick tract i was researching for this episode and uh, my husband saw my computer screen and he said that he was familiar with these jonathan said that there were people that would pass them out at his public high school and the kids in the high school would pass them around kind of as a joke so i was wondering did you ever see these maybe in that kind of scenario have you ever seen these before no well okay mm, yeah yes and no but okay. like yeah, the, I mean, like no one ever like gave them out to me, gave one out to me. I am familiar with chick tracts in a way that we are going to get into a little bit uh, in a little bit. But I want to back up really quick because I think that like for a lot of people in the audience, at least people who weren't raised fundy are asking this question. They want to know what is a chick tract because you just said two words to me. Right. And it literally sounds like nonsense. When you said we have to talk about chick tracks, I'm like, what, like, what is, what are those things? What, what is those two words? I don't know what those two words are. If somebody was like, hey, do you want a chick track? I would assume that they were offering me a tic tac and my <laughs> breath stank. Yeah. So I think that these are something that many people, especially Americans, would have seen before, but would just not know what they were called. So a tract in general, it's it's spelled T-R-A-C-T, but it's pronounced similar to track, like track and field, the way most people pronounce it. It's, it's Christian speak for any so, small pocket-sized slip of paper or like a tiny pamphlet that gives the gospel, tells you how to get saved. It's like, so it's a, a tiny, tiny little book with information on how to get saved, how to go to heaven. It's typically a very simplified version, a couple Bible verses and a few paragraphs of information, less than a five minute read. Okay. So when I was watching the Super Bowl this year and a guy knocked on my door and gave me a little piece of paper telling me what the Bible said about racism, that he was giving me a tract. Yes. If he tried to hand you like a little piece of paper, like bigger than a business card, but probably smaller than a three by five with information about the Bible or the gospel or whatever, that piece of paper, that's a tract. Yeah. So he just uh, came up. He was like, I am a missionary from Jesus Christ. And he handed me this piece of paper and he's like, have a nice day. And I'm like, okay, bye-bye. And I opened it up. I looked at it and it 
said uh, it had some like love thy neighbor and do not mistreat a stranger verses on it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. a track. Uh, check tracks, while they they serve the same function and intention as a regular gospel track, they look very different. A chick tract is a it's a thicker booklet. So a regular one might be two pages or maybe four pages. A chick tract is about twenty pages. It's smaller mm. than a three by five card, and it has on the outside it has a black cover page with a title in very bold white lettering, and there's usually a cartoon, an eye catching cartoon of some kind on the cover. And the title doesn't really tell you what it is. There are titles like The Little Princess or Charlie's Ants. The vagueness and the cartoons, they're meant to entice you to pick it up and read it, even if you wouldn't pick up a piece of paper that said, do you know for sure if you die today, you'd go to heaven. So if, you would, if you're a little resistant to you know Christian paraphernalia, you might pick this up not knowing that it was a Christian thing. And what makes these Chick tracts is that they were written and illustrated by Jack Chick. And that's stylized as J Chick on the cover of most of them. Oh, okay. So a Chick tract is a tract by Chick. Yeah, it's his brand. Got it. Okay. So it's, and, th- and this isn't just some niche thing because uh did research on this. These comics are everywhere. This is a massively widespread phenomena. Like they've been translated into dozens of languages. Um, And, you know, I've been doing research. We've been doing research for this episode. I found out that these comics are actually the most widely distributed cartoons in the entire world, which was absolutely mind blowing to me because I had never heard of them. I had no idea what this was. Right. And that's why I say that a lot of people I think have seen them. Maybe you've seen one lying on a bus seat or in the grocery store and we'll get to why that is coming up. Hmm. But I think a lot of people see them and aren't interested enough to pick them up and just don't know what they are. Yeah. Well, little did they, and this is where we're going to talk about this. I actually had seen them before. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. So bear with me here. So uh, if you spend um, a lot of time on the internet, like I do, there is also a high percentage that you are familiar with them as well. You just don't know it. When we were researching this episode, Sadie sent me a big dossier of information, like an email with a bunch of sources, a bunch of individual uh, uh, tracks that I had to read through. But there was something that stood out to me. Um, is that the style of art looked really familiar and I just couldn't place it. And uh, this morning, it really it actually just clicked for me. So do you know what I had seen before or do you want to take a guess? Okay, let me guess. I know you spend a lot of time on Twitter, aka Jewish Twitter. Yes. So I'm thinking, so my, my off the top of my head, my guess would be that maybe you saw one of these tracks there. Because there are several, and we're going to get into one a little bit down the road in this episode. There are several of these tracks that present an interesting mix of the typical, like, protect the Jews rhetoric that we've talked about before. And then they take, like, a real hard Jews for Jesus turn at the end. So that's a good guess. And you would think that that's where I would see it. But you are wrong. You are sadly mistaken. And I'll tell you where I've seen it. So there is a meme. And uh, so maybe maybe uh, you have an unpopular opinion about something. Maybe you have a hot take on something. It could be about sports. It could be about music. It could be about like, say you're like a big Harry Potter fan and your take is that Harry should have ended up with Hermione. Like, I mean, that's a pretty hot take. You know, you will see this one panel of this one comic and the panel is captioned 
people rejected his message. They hated Jesus because he told the truth. And there's a little picture of Jesus and there's like the Pharisees, you know, uh, getting mad at him or whatever. And you can insert whatever like unpopular opinion you might have into this comic. So you could say uh, Harry should have ended up with Hermione. Um, and that's the truth that Jesus is saying. Um, but I've even seen one where it's like the meta meme where Jesus is saying that pee is stored in the balls. So <laughs> Okay. So now that you now that you mention it, I think I have seen this meme and I literally always forget that it's from a chick track. Yeah. Like I know that, but I forget it every single time. I just I think I have seen that. I mean, and obviously I mean this panel right here is just ripe for memeing. It is absolute meme bait. It is meme fodder if there ever was one. But like I looked it up on the internet and sure enough, like I found the origin and the origin is this comic, Charlie's Ants by cartoonist Jack Chick. So whether or not you've ever seen one of these books in person, if you're an internet denizen, chances are you've seen some of this artwork. And I feel like that's so appropriate in so many ways because this man's art and these little comics are way more prevalent than I think people realize. And of course, the beliefs that he fostered in millions of people are more prevalent than it would at first appear. So you didn't see these growing up, but these were a part of my daily life. And uh, I thought we could start by talking about where I saw them and how I experienced them. And then later we can get into some of the details of what is in them. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, now, obviously, if you are a religion, you know, you're looking for new members. If that's your your jam, that's what you guys do. You want to make your message as accessible as possible, you know, to the most people. So it would make perfect sense that, you know, say you're IFB and you really want to bring people in. Having Christian material in cartoon form is a great resource. Right. And Jack Chick's views line up incredibly well with mainline IFB views. He was IFB himself. He believed in King James onlyism. I think that he was a part of shaping how the IFB thinks about the rapture and the end times. And I also think that he helped shape the satanic panic from the ground floor, like way back in the 60s and 70s. That's incredible. But we will eventually tell you a little bit more about that. And so this is a huge topic that we're on today, but uh, to the heart of it. So when you were growing up, Were you just like handing these out to people on the street when you were soul winning? So in a lot of IFB or even just regular evangelical churches, there will be a plastic or a wooden rack in the back of the church. And it kind of looks like a spice rack, but it will be filled with different types of tracts. The church will usually order literally thousands of the plain paper, two page ones. It's just a one paper folded in half. Like when you used to make cards in school for your mom for Mother's Day or whatever, Hmm. you just took a piece of paper and folded it in half and that's a card. It looks like that, but it's smaller. And the church will have literally thousands. They will order them like 4,000 or 10,000 at a time. And it's a a template that everybody uses. It's got the plan of salvation in it. But then your pastor's name is printed on the back and the address of your church is printed on the back. So if you're going to go out soul winning from an IFB church, you might stop by the track rack and grab like a hundred of these little plain paper ones. And um, sometimes you might make it your goal to take a hundred and then not come back to the church until you handed them all out. And oops, <laughs> accidentally triggered myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But like you, you just go and just like take a handful. You like make it rain with those cheap little because they cost like four cents a piece or something. Yeah, you can just print them out on the printer and, you know, you got somebody in the back who's just like 
you know, with a paper cutter. So they'll order like thousands of these really inexpensive ones that are just the four point plan of salvation. Like, you know, like we're all sinners, sinners go to hell, Jesus saved you, accept Jesus. And those are so, so cheap and they'll order thousands of them. But the church will also order more expensive or fancier tracts as well. So they might be color printed or on glossier paper, something that that looks like it wasn't done off a Xerox machine. Uh, there was a, for example, there was a teenage girl at First Baptist Church of Hammond who was well known for being a big soul winner and really loving soul winning, and she tragically died, and her family designed a tract that's full color glossy paper with her picture. And the message of it was kind of like, none of us know when we're going to die. You should accept Jesus. Oy vey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that. like, I'm I'm very sorry for their loss, but that is extremely manipulative and I don't like it. So, yeah, but uh. the, these tracks, the ones that are that look a little bit nicer, those are more expensive to print. So if you're doing that thing where you're going to go out soul winning and you're not going to come back until you've handed out 100 tracks, you're going to grab the cheap ones. But if you're going to take your time with someone you're witnessing to or you feel like they're a really good prospect and they're worth 17 cents and not just four cents, you might give them one of these nicer, like classier ones. Yeah, that makes sense, though, because like, I mean, I guess IFB churches, they don't have very much money. So like so if you ever so like say you ever went to a different church. And like you could tell that that church is doing very well financially. You would see like a whole rack of the glossy ones. So it's like how if you go over to your friend's house, you're like, oh, my friend must be rich because all of their grocery bags are from zoo pans. Yes. <laughs> but that only really happens at the very top of IFB churches. The only time I've ever seen a church not provide the cheap tracks at all and only provide the nice ones was at First Baptist Church of Hammond. By the way, who are you friends with that only shops at Zupans? Because I want to hang out with them. And also, they need to join our Patreon. And there are no excuses for that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, our Patreon is less month, less money per month than like Oreos at Zupans. So, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing about living in Portland to people, people who don't know um, about the city, who don't live here, is that literally anybody you meet like could be a millionaire. That's true. Like literally anybody. Yeah, some dude living in a downtown like hellhole apartment that was converted from the, it used to be a brothel in the 1890s and you could smoke in the building until like 2012. Like this dude goes to the bar on dollar 50 beer night and drinks his like drinks his weight in Rainier. He could randomly be the CEO of a startup or a trust fund kid or like a famous anonymous street artist or something. I mean, it's not just that, but like in Portland, you can be a millionaire, like you could be like a successful professional, like a doctor, a lawyer, like a mechanical engineer or something. And you go around and you wear like 10 year old Levi's and a T-shirt from Crater Lake National Park and your watch is a Seiko. Accurate. Yeah. I mean, in Portland, you can be a millionaire and work night shift at a porn store like for the lulls or because you're writing the next great American novel or something. Yeah. But I mean, this is for all the listeners out there. But like, so do you know what a millionaire's car is if you live in Portland? What? A Subaru Outback. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, because rich people move to Portland because it's a nice place to live and raise kids and you can go to the mountains every weekend. And like people don't flaunt their wealth here. 
And if you do, like if you flaunt your wealth, people will kind of think you're an ass. Yeah, yeah, that's all very accurate. It's it's very accurate, yeah. But to get back to chick tracts. Yeah, um, let's go back to the topic because we ju- we just got way sidetracked. So some churches will also order chick tracts for their church. So obviously you wouldn't grab a whole handful of them and just make it rain Jesus like you would with the cheap ones because make they, they cost so much Jesus. more. <laughs> Glad you liked that. Uh. But while you're stocking up for like this hypothetical day of soul winning, you might grab a hundred of the cheap paper ones and 10 of the nicer ones and a couple chick tracks. So chick tracks are considered prime materials to just leave lying around in public, like hoping someone will pick them up and read them. I was encouraged in the IFB to go around grocery stores and pick up cans of food or boxes of macaroni or whatever and slip tracks under them. So you're hoping that the person who buys that food will pick it up and be like, hey, what's this weird paper under my can of baked beans? But as you can imagine, that method isn't the most effective. Yeah. Um, so I used to work at a grocery store and I can like I can just imagine somebody like complaining to the store manager or like going on Yelp, writing a, just a seething, seething review because they picked up a can of spaghetti sauce and there was some weird piece of religious propaganda underneath it. Or like I, so I can like imagine stocking shelves and finding these things like everywhere and just wishing unbelievable harm on whatever self-righteous jerk left them there for me to clean up. And for reasons like that, I imagine that about 90% of those grocery store tracks never got read. Yeah. I mean, it's like making music and like putting it on Facebook, right? Just like posting mm-hmm. the link to your music on Facebook. It's going to get buried in the algorithm anyway. And if people see it, even if they see it, they're just going to keep scrolling. But IFB members will leave tracts literally anywhere. So it's like posting your music on Facebook in every Facebook group you're in every day and in every comment that you write on Facebook. Oh, that's so annoying. They will leave these things in Ubers, buses, airports, bathrooms. They really like leaving them in the bathroom. So one famous preacher. Okay, so I think it was Curtis Hudson. If it wasn't, my dad will call me and correct me. Uh, This preacher talked about unrolling the toilet paper in public bathrooms and then re-rolling it and then putting a tract inside like every few feet. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, (laughs) In a COVID world... (laughs) absolute madman here this i is, mean in the regular world that was gross but now in a pandemic world oh my god that's insane even by like like ifb standards that is it it's th- this is something that people really did but chick tracks are supposed mm, to be better what? oh yeah no this is a thing this the, i I've, you know, I've never heard of a convert from from one of those experiences. The same preacher used to he would go he would be in an airport and he would see like being like one of those, you know, like a big bathroom in an airport. Yeah. And he would go and every place that he saw shoes on the inside of the stall, he would stick a tract up um, underneath and say, read this while you wait. So. Uh, bo- I don't know if he actually is, got any bathroom converts. Who this is a, And again, I'm pretty sure that was Curtis Hudson, but I'm not I'm not 100% on that. This is uh, like this is 
bottom tier psychopathic <laughs> behavior. I I am astounded at the you know what? Okay, so because a few weeks ago we talked about how uh, you know when you were witnessing to people or whatever, or you had somebody you thought might like be a taker, you would just straight up go to their house and not leave and not leave and not le- like that. You know that level of being socially unaware, or not just socially unaware, but like a, a willing to. F- absolutely just walk in the face or spit in the face of social rules of of just basic human decency because those people will thank you once they get saved yeah no Mm -hmm. but like i'm i'm sitting on the toilet i'm looking at my phone i don't want to read some like (sighs) jesus i'm sorry this is this is (sighs) This is utter insanity. If somebody did that to me, like, because like, that's the thing is that if you're sitting like you can't get up and be like, like leave, like you can't like get up immediately easily. No, like you can't stand up and then like open the door and then like try to like be like, get the hell out of here. I'm, you know, I'm taking that might have a good response. This is this is so, insanity. I'm so like I I am beyond words for this. This is utter insanity. This is that's one of the worst things you've ever told me. <laughs> well, check tracts are supposed to be better for this. When he's it was, so when he's handing them under the door, does he expect that you're going to take it or is he just like He's expecting or, that you're going to reach your hand out and take it. Yes. And like you, like if like you're sitting on the toilet, like you're literally like. Okay, so you haven't been to Vegas. You don't want to have any sort of like hand to hand contact with anybody who is currently in like. Okay, but have okay, you haven't been to Vegas, but have you been to like another? Oh, you have been to Vegas. Okay, so you walk down the street in Vegas, and people just like start handing you stuff, and. It's for like, like, uh, you know, this is it's like free admission to such and such strip club or like nine ninety nine buffet dinner at this and that casino or whatever. And you kind yes. of, if you're not thinking about it super hard, you sometimes you like you just take it and and keep walking or take it and throw it on the ground five seconds later. Or if you're me, you take it and you want to throw it on the ground, but you can't because you feel guilty, so you have to carry it around until you find a trash can. Yeah, I mean, that's the responsible thing to do. It's like that. It's a reflex. If somebody just hands it to you, a lot of times you take it. And we're going to talk about this more in the Break the Script episode, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. But that is one of the common human reflexes that the IFB soul winners are taught to exploit, is that generally, if you try to hand somebody something, they will kind of automatically take it. Hmm. So that's one of several reflexes that we were taught to, to exploit. When we were out so many. But back to chick tracks. Chick tracks are different from regular tracks because they aren't just little dinky pieces of paper. A chick track is a is a small stapled booklet. And it doesn't look like religious propaganda. It looks like it might be a political satire cartoon or something interesting. So the idea behind them is that they're more likely to get picked up. And people might get caught up in the story and actually read it. People who wouldn't 
give a second thought to a piece of paper that says, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Yeah. So these are like actually like little booklets. So like if say you were in a coffee shop and you're like sitting on a couch in a coffee shop and you sat down and it's just sitting there on the table, you might pick it up and actually leaf through it. Yeah. They're bigger and sturdier than tracts. And they have very catchy titles that usually don't give away that they're Christian material. They're also high contrast. The cover is very eye-catching. It's huge, bold, white capital letters on a black background. So I, so I would get these from the track rack at church to pass out to other people. But I also got them a different way, which I feel like is kind of weird and potentially creepy. But let me know what you think. Uh, mm-hmm. People in the church would place orders from the Chick website for their personal soul winning use. But they would all they would take like so they would get a whole bunch to use soul winning and then they would bring some to church and pass them out like candy to the kids at church, which I don't know that mm-hmm. something about that doesn't seem right to me. But this is how Chick tracts ended up getting used as trading cards among the church kids. Interesting. So these are kids who aren't allowed to play magic. They aren't allowed to have Pokemon cards. So what we had instead were these chick tracts. So you're like collecting them. Yes. So the reason I brought up the tract rack earlier is that you weren't allowed to go raid that because those are for the lost people. Those are for the sinners. You had to get them through alternate sources. Hmm. So... Like that random guy in the church who bought a whole bunch and then brought them and gave them out to the kids. That's going to start sounding creepier once we get into the actual content. But that was how you got them. Yeah. So it wasn't like you're, go- okay, I'm going to youth conference and meeting like my friends and then, you know, comparing the collections like, oh, I need tracked 48 Charlie's Angels. Uh, Where do you get that one? You know, like. Or, oh, they don't have this one at my church, but they've got it at a Holy Glory Baptist Church two towns over. Oh, no, it was exactly like that. Oh, okay. So you are just like. Just literally collecting them and trading them exactly the same way people did pogs or Pokemon cards or whatever. Marbles before that. So people would carry around like 50 of these things. You'd put them in categories and then you'd rank them in the order of your favorites and you stack them all together, wrap it up in rubber bands and carry it to church with you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, I mean, that doesn't, because like I had friends, you know, what we we would do, you know, in your backpack with your school books and like your folders that have like your homework assignments in it, you would also have like a three ring binder with like all of like the three by three divided plastic sheets and they would be full of your Pokemon cards. I never saw anyone with an actual binder, but otherwise it sounds literally identical. Oh, okay. So we had to keep the adults out of this illicit chick track trade <laughs> um, to an extent because we would get, we wouldn't get in big trouble, but we would get scolded for collecting them instead of giving them out to sinners. So some adults were like our hookup and they would buy them for us. And then other adults, we had to kind of keep it a secret how many we had stockpiled. It's like a drug deal. That's so funny. So you're like trying to meet them out behind the church after like, it was like, yo, you got to keep it in the paper bag. Don't go telling anybody that I gave that to you. I know. This just doesn't (laughs) feel right to me as an adult. But like, so like, so your favorite one, like say, would it be that like it referenced your favorite Bible verse or 
Like it, it referenced, I don't know, like your life verse. So that would be your favorite one or like no. how, which ones are the best ones? So not in my, in my church, we didn't care what the actual biblical content was at all. The best ones were the scary satanic panic related. Oh, so like it, were those more rare? Were those harder to come by? Because like with Pokemon cards, you have the holographic ones. Like I had a friend who had a Charizard that was holographic and in Japanese, and that was like the best card. There were there were Chick Tracks that were popular because they were creepy, and there were Chick Tracks that were really popular because they were rare. And it was really mm-hmm. exciting if you got if you were the first person to get your hands on one that nobody else had in the church, because then everyone was your friend because they all wanted to read it. Oh, okay. So like, and he'd keep coming out with new ones. Cause like, I guess they've been around for a while. So like, so would the vintage ones be like a hot commodity, like you're collecting vinyl or is they just don't care? Is, is it just new? So Jack Chick died in 2016 and he did keep making new ones of these right up until he died. Nobody cared about vintage. It was new ones. And then the ones that were more graphic about satanism or drug use or something like the more strident and shocking ones were the most popular among the kids that i knew nobody gave a crap about the boring old salvation ones that didn't mention like drugs or sex work or something scandalous so the thing that i find interesting is that like i mean kids are all pretty much the same no matter where you go right and like no Mm -hmm. matter how you raise it like they're all gonna have the same sort of tendency to really just go out there and try to go for something that's like edgy or a little bit scary or a little bit gross but and they're also going to like you know try to collect stuff that's cool. Yeah, kids are always interested in collecting and trading and kids are also always curious about violence or mystery or things that are edgy like you said. Um I don't know if you're into any kind of black exploitation films? Yes. Okay, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh my husband is into Tarantino, he's into movies like Natural Born Killers, and then he's also very into black exploitation films. Yeah, so I've seen um like you have the Shaft poster on your wall, yes. right? Yeah, I've seen that. The, well, the reason I bring up black exploitation is that Chick Tracks have a lot in common with that style of art. His drawing style, I wish I could put it into words better, but the drawing style really reminds me of black exploitation for some reason. I don't know if you see this too, but the style of how people speak, the punctuation, the shock factor of the storylines, there there is a lot of crossover between these two things. Hmm. You know, I do think that's a really interesting comparison, though. Do you kind of see it, though? Yeah, because like it's sort of in like a general because it's all from the 70s, right? Yes, I think the first few of these were printed in the late 60s. But Chick, as an author and as a, a comic artist, gained a lot of traction. Do you mean um, traction? Wow. <laughs> yes, the author gained a lot of traction uh, through both the end times prophecy phase that the church went through in the 70s and also through the beginnings of the satanic panic. So I said that the violent or the like satanic-themed comics were the most popular So I want to talk about the categories that these comics fall in and what the appeal was for church kids who had ostensibly already gotten saved. Like, why were we attracted to these when we just made, sorry, attracted to these when we just made origami out of regular tracks? The the first category is basic salvation stories. And these are very formulaic. The formula is that a normal person will be introduced. This person thinks that they're going to heaven because they're a good person. 
or because they go to church or whatever. And then they die unexpectedly. And then God casts them into hell because they, they didn't get saved. So basically, they're just the protagonist from the Judgment Night's uh, uh, haunted house. Yes. This is a major theme with the IFB. So they believe that you have to reach out to God to access his grace and not go to hell. That God's grace doesn't just automatically reach you. You have to reach for it. I like to say that that Baptists believe in opt-in grace. You have to opt in to it. A lot of other Christians believe in opt-out grace. You only don't go to heaven if you reject God, like purposely choose to be evil. Hmm. But Baptists and especially the IFB believe in opt-in grace. You don't get it unless you ask for it. And if you don't accept God's grace by praying a prayer or asking Jesus into your heart or however they phrase it, if you don't do that, you go to hell. No exceptions. So the IFB see it as a myth that you can go to heaven without quote unquote, accepting Jesus. And they see it as their mission to dispel that myth. So these tracts usually spent a lot of time explaining the IFB salvation theology. And we kids, we already knew that by heart. We had all been out witnessing since we were like six years old. So we weren't too interested in these salvation-based tracts. So this was your life is one uh, room. It's room three something, room 304. I can't remember the name of the tract. Um, Charlie's aunts, that kind of thing, we weren't too interested in. So the meme that I know that I've seen, that is like a solid, like a B tier tract. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's not the desirable one. That's not the one that you so what is a top tier chick tract? I I, I will get one. to the okay, I'll get to the best ones, but there's one step in between those. Between like the basic salvation story and the really good ones. There are some salvation analogy or salvation allegory themed tracts. So the white carpet is one of them. In the white carpet, there is a priceless white carpet made from the hair of albino tigers. It gets damaged with ink and the owner can't stand to have something that is damaged or dirty in his house. So he burns it because it can't be saved. And that's like how God can't let any sin into heaven. So he burns us in hell. Um, There are some decent-ish tracks in this category there's one about a burglar 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 that is kind of uh kind of cute and funny i can't remember the title of that one so two thoughts on this okay okay so first is it like if you buy a priceless white carpet you are absolutely asking for it to be stained that is a terrible idea and secondly like i feel like he should just rearrange the room so that like you know if it gets a stain on it you just put the couch over the spot right uh he had a whole room for the carpet no furniture just the carpet it, it's a pretty contrived analogy and and that's extremely typical of chick mm. tracts at large that's why these analogy ones were hit or miss in popularity so you know what though like i totally like if i had a priceless white carpet that was worth like forty thousand dollars i would absolutely put it in one room and not put any furniture in that room just as a massive flex i see where that guy is coming from and i also see why like he would be so mad if it got ink on it like can you imagine being the guy that spilled the ink or like the coffee or or, or the hot sauce on your friend's priceless white carpet or, or like wine or something that would be like yeah that's a friendship ending yeah no you're right act of carelessness right there yeah so so some of those analogy ones are are interesting. 
because you get to talk about the white carpet. Some of them are not as fun in the IFB kid universe. But once you get past the sal- the basic salvation ones and then like the allegory for salvation ones, you get into the really interesting ones. The next best category from the top would be his prolific anti-Catholic tracts. And boy, are there a lot of these. Jack Chick really hated Catholics. <laughs> they So the, this, these tracts, they have all the tropes about how the devil started the Catholic Church, how the Eucharist host is actually an, an ancient Egyptian form of worship. And every time Catholics take it, they're worshiping Osiris or something. Uh, they, they talk about how the church is descended from paganism, how Catholicism is trying to take over American government. Also, just some weird flat out misinformation about Catholics. Uh, supposedly, we are asked to swear allegiance to the Pope and the country of the Vatican, which is just false. That doesn't happen. Uh, there's one track that is, the title is just, Are Roman Catholics Really Christians? Which is a pretty straightforward title, and I'm sure you can suss out what conclusion he comes to. Mm. Most of these anti-Catholic tracts end with Catholics being thrown into hell. These are popular not because we also hated Catholics that bad, but because there's a degree of mysticism in the way he talks about the church. He will talk about some supposed Catholic miracles, uh, like statues crying or statues of Jesus dripping blood from the hands and feet, other Catholic miracles like that. And Chick has an interesting take on them. He doesn't say they were fake. He says they were actually real, but the devil made it happen to to fool people because the Catholic Church is actually run by the devil. So that's an interesting take. So if, I mean, if there was a new tract about Catholics, like if you heard like, oh, there's a new Chick track dropping, it's about the Catholics. You knew it was going to be good. You knew it was going to be a banger. And you wanted to get that one first so that you'd be the coolest kid in school. Yeah. You knew there would at least be some juicy stuff in there. But there were better categories. The Catholic hate ones are just where it started getting really good. The next step up would be tracks that either focused on one particular sin, quote unquote, sin, sin in big old scare quotes, uh, or just plain old hate speech. So off the top of my head, there were anti-abortion tracts. Of course, there were several anti-gay ones. There was an anti-Muslim tract, which is pretty predictable. Uh, Also anti-Jehovah's Witness, which is interesting, and anti-astrology. Anti-astrology. Yeah. The title is Gladys. Uh, It's about a woman who goes to hell because astrology opens up a portal for her to communicate with demons and she becomes a medium and then the demons become her spirit guide. And then the the spirit guide tricks her into not listening to the people who are trying to get her to accept Jesus. And then she gets in a car and dies and goes to hell. So I have a theory about this. Okay. Is that Jack Chick hates astrology because he got rejected by a girl who said that their signs would be a bad match. I mean, possibly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm just trying to like come up with this mode. I, I mean, I know a lot of people just hate astrology. They hate the people are talking about. It. I don't know. I, astrology is kind of fun. That's what it, I mean, that's yeah. what it is for me. It's, it's fun. I had my friend do Charlotte's chart, which was interesting, but this is just another example of that. Like anything can be a portal to demons thinking like how fundies think that yoga or martial arts open them up to demons. Mm. or music or 
literally anything. Like monster energy drinks. Or monster energy drinks. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But that does bring us to the top tier of chick comics. Okay. The ones everybody wanted. I am excited for it. And these are the satanic panic related tracts. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go. So what happens in these? So is it like when we watch The Exorcist? I think there's one that parodies The Exorcist. Ah. I'm not sure, but I feel like I remember this. There are, there are like a hundred or more of these. So it's hard to keep them all straight. But these satanic panic tracks are creative. They pretty much run the gamut through all the satanic panic theories. I remember one tract. I wasn't able to find it online to have you read it. But it's all about how trick-or-treat is evil because people will put drugs or razor blades in your children's candy. Uh, One image from this tract may be the reason that I won't bite into apples or fun-sized candy bars. Like I had to cut up apples into slices. I didn't know about this, but then I saw it on Freaks and Geeks because apparently this was like a, a a hoax or something. that. Yeah, like the idea yeah. that people put drugs in children's Halloween candy to like get them hooked on drugs. Wow. Because, you know, people just give away their – it's the same myth. Like this goes around every year, especially as, as like weed gets legalized in more places. I saw this hoax on Facebook last year. A Facebook friend of mine posted like – Oh, these are these are weed skittles or weed starburst. And people are putting these in your children's Halloween candy. You better check all your children children's Halloween candy. So I found nice. some debunking of the image and found out that the the image is a Photoshop. The the tip off was that it said that the fun size pack of Skittles contained like fifty six hundred milligrams of weed or I mean, THC. That's a lot of THC. So that is, I, wait, I, so fifty six hundred mil. That's five five point six grams. Yeah, that's five point six gram. Man, one skittle is gonna mess you up for a week. <laughs> one skittle is gonna lay you the f- out, like you. Well, my friend who posted this, they they don't live in yikes. a legal state. They don't know that like weed gummies are like start at five milligrams. They don't have any. So I I was able to find some debunking that the image was a Photoshop. In one case, the image was a Photoshop. In the other case, they were just fake. Like they were candies from China that claim to have THC in them that are proven to not actually have THC in them. But I was able to debunk that for my friend. But this myth is like this myth is is longstanding. It's been around since like the 60s. It's like a boomer Facebook share. Yeah, that people put drugs in Halloween candy or that Satanists put razor blades in, in Halloween candy to shed the blood of your children or whatever. But then anyway, this is this is why I have to cut apples into slices because these comics were like, there's razor blades in your trick-or-treat apples. Yeah, I also cut apples into slices, but I think that's just because like cutting them into slices leaves less amount of apple wasted. Yeah. See, I cut them into slices because I was shown images of children biting into satanic razor blade loaded apples as a child. That's terrifying. It's <laughs> a great that's... thing for your kid to see. Ugh. Yeah, see, I want to reiterate, like, if you're giving out apples on Halloween, though, because I I need to just say, like, if you are giving out apples on Halloween, though, your house is getting egged. That's not up for debate. Your house is getting egged. No negotiation. Probably TP2. It's not like these these comics. I, I agree, by the way. The Halloween is for candy. It's not yeah. like these comics, though. It's not like they were super graphic. You can look up images of them online. Uh, it's all black and white. It's more of a sketch than anything. But as an IFB kid, these are scary. 
I truly thought the apple Satanists were out to get me. But along with the old, like, poisoned or drugged candy urban legend, these satanic panic-themed comics, they also – so they're, they're only, like, 20 pages each and they're tiny, so they can't get into all of it in every one. So there'd be some that talked about the dangers of witchcraft, like how witchcraft and Satanism hide everywhere, how Halloween is the devil's holiday, uh, lots and lots of correlations between, like, modern stuff and ancient Egypt – Jack Chick is really hung up on ancient Egypt, mm. which is great because I had a big interest in ancient Egypt stuff as a kid. But just anything that you would ever hear as a safe, satanic panic conspiracy theory would have been in one of these comics somewhere. Now, I don't know if Chick invented any of it or if he just heard it and was like an early adopter of the satanic panic and just churned out comics with everything he ever heard about it. But either way, the comics were scary enough to to give an IFB kid the chills. I definitely lost sleep to a couple of these. So these were uh, these were prized. Yeah, we are uh, going to take a break and then we are going to come back, take up the offering. Um, we're going to uh, go into some specific comics and, and talk about them. Hey, it's Sadie. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode one where we start the whole story. You might also want to check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism. If you like the show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. (laughs) The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really do appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. 
so we did read these over and over. Like the more interesting ones, we would read more than once. Like a really interesting book, you would read more than once. I like you do with any comic book. Yeah. But when I would reread this one, I would hold my hand over one particular image because I was so terrified of this image. Even into being a teenager, I couldn't look at it without freaking out. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I've looked at it. I mean, it's kind of creepy, but like, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just exposed to creepier stuff, but I was, I used to read comics. As See, a kid, I wasn't so I exposed know. to scary movies at all. Like I was, I was very sheltered in that, in that area. I was also, I was just a really sensitive child. And I think it, it freaked me out when I was nine or 10. So it continued to freak me out over time. Yeah. Cause you just remember that feeling. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, so this comic uh, is, is, it's called Bewitched. Uh, we've got a link to it in the show notes, uh, but the comic itself is about this girl named Ashley who has not had a great life. Her parents divorced when she was young. Her mother died recently. And we know this because th- like this comic is set in like Satan's boardroom. Like he's having like uh, uh, the meeting of like, middle management of hell or upper management of hell and he's got like a powerpoint presentation going on and it says ashley's mother is a dead b in hell c uh she ran away from home at 15 and she's been using drugs so a really really tough life for young ashley here it would be really nice if somebody showed her some compassion yes and i i would like to point out that satan's boardroom is one very impressive and two an interesting expositional device. But yeah, it's it's a huge boardroom, like giant shiny conference table. Uh the devil is watching the TV show Bewitched before he's ready to start his meeting. I wonder if it was the episode of Bewitched that guest starred a Tony Award winning actor and namesake of Jack Hyle's favorite allegedly fictional double murderer, <laughs> Paul Sand. <laughs> You know, it could be. (laughs) So the devil says that Bewitched is his favorite show because it paved the way for his occult and vampire programming that is now doing so well. Uh, Then he starts his business meeting with, like you said, Hell's Middle Management. And the demons give him a general rundown like drugs, going great, astrology, bringing people into the occult, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then we get to Ashley, who apparently is on the devil's agenda for that day. Well, Ashley is following the devil's plan for her life. And this is where we get the phrase, the demon who's reporting on Ashley's life says that she has taken, quote, over 60 trips on LSD mixed with speed. So I'm going to level with you guys here. 60 trips is a lot of LSD. That is a lot of times to have done LSD. Yeah, so if you were tripping once a month, that would take you five years. That is that yeah. is definitely a lot. That's a lot. And how, I mean, how old is Ashley in this, right? She left home at 15, and if we use that metric of she tripped once a month for, 12, for five years, that would be – she'd be 19? So she's still yeah. supposedly in her teens? It doesn't give yeah. her age. But I mean, you know what? This is 60. So she could have been doing LSD more often than that. It doesn't give her age. So if it's like maybe she didn't start using drugs immediately after leaving home, maybe like acid is just something she got into recently. So she's like, okay, done 60 trips in the last two years. Like that's a lot of acid, man. 
either way, sixty trips over five years is still a fair bit of acid. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people. Who, I mean, you know, ask your parents. People who be talked about as quote unquote acid casualties from the '60s and '70s who just did too much or did it too often and really just altered their brain chemistry and ended up being a bit fried from then on. I think some of these people. Okay, so so that's true that some yeah. people just did way too much acid. I think there was also a problem, though, with people thinking they were doing LSD, but there may have been other experimental research chemicals involved. If you read about Woodstock, there were several different chemical substances going around that were being sold or given out as acid. But there, there's good reason to think that some of them were not LSD or not pure LSD. I think I've read something about like there being like brown acid and purple acid, and the brown one is the one that people were told to avoid. Yeah. I mean, one guy that people always talk about is uh, Sid Barrett, who was like the original guitar player for Pink Floyd. He just like did too much and and wrecked himself and it resulted in his departure from the band. Uh, Yeah, I think it's totally possible, I think, to just burn out your brain chemistry on acid or other substances just by doing high doses or by taking it all the time. Totally plausible. I think specifically, though, talking about the 60s and 70s from what I've read I think it was equally as big of an issue that there were different research chemicals that are less safe than acid that were being distributed under the wrong name. Yeah. I mean, it was like it was the 60s, 70s. People really didn't know what they were doing. And like there wasn't a wealth of information that was readily available. And also like LSD dosage was not well regulated. So like variants of strength would be extremely different from one tab to the next. So like you don't. You just don't know. You couldn't just go on the internet and read about this or how to do things safely uh, if you were so inclined to do them. LSD is dosed in micrograms, which is one one thousandth of a milligram. So it's it's really easy to do a higher dose than you intend to. Yeah. Anyway, doing LSD 60 times probably means that you're a little bit fried. Yeah. yeah. The the 60 trips of acid and that hypothetically give, giving somebody some issues, <laughs> that's not what I have a problem with. The the what I have a problem with is like the super scare quotes. Like there's like scary punctuation around mixed with speed. And if you look at this comic, you'll see what I what I mean. <laughs> there's like weird like italicized words and like bolded words and speed is in all caps. Like it's it's very intense. And and the next part of the quote is what I have even more of a problem with because the demon says she's taken over 60 trips of acid mixed with speed. Mixed Her with brain speed. and arteries are beginning to gel. She's already having flashbacks. So I'm I'm really with you on the idea that 60 trips is is a is a lot of acid for most people. But LSD does not physically turn your brain or your arteries into jello. That's not that's not scientifically correct. Neither does speed. I'm not saying that LSD and amphetamines are like the next healthy breakfast craze, like hashtag clean eating. But <laughs> neither one of those things are going to make anything gel. Yeah. I mean, like everybody was on speed in the 60s and 70s. Like if your husband thought that you were getting fat, he could just like go to your doctor and get him to write a prescription for you. Like and just be like, hey, my wife's getting fat. Will you give her some amphetamines? And he'd be like, OK, if and if it gave you any anxiety, they just give you quaaludes. Those were the days. Yeah, My point is your our grandparents were all just blasted 24 seven. Well, in this story, 
poor <laughs> Jello Ashley goes to a psychic or a medium who – and she asks to talk to her mother and the psychic calls a demon to appear in the shape of her mother because when psychics show us people, it's actually demons, according to Chick. And uh, Ashley buys this demon impersonating her her mother. She's like, oh, yeah, that's totally my mom. Probably because Ashley is used to seeing weird things on her 60 acid trips. Hmm. So Ashley goes to her grandmother and is like, guess what? I saw my mom at a psychic. And um, the grandma is praying for Ashley to get saved. So the next morning, Ashley wakes up at her grandmother's house where she stayed the night and this is the part of the story that scared the hell out of me as a child. And so what's that? It's just one panel of the comic and it has Ashley looking into a mirror. But what she sees in the mirror is her face melting off of her skull. And she's freaking out because her face is melting. Um, And so I, I don't like in, I don't know what is going on with Ashley. Maybe she's having like a flashback or something. But like it, it, it's like Indiana Jones looking situation where like face is just straight up melting off yeah so in the comic she's not currently on acid she's having an acid flashback so flashbacks are rare they don't happen to most people but girls went on 60 trips so i can i can give this a pass yeah i guess what happens next is ashley has a a heart attack from the flashback and she ends up in the hospital where the doctor says she probably won't make it Again, this is a super rare occurrence for a flashback to be – like most people – acid flashbacks are super rare. Most people who get them are able to differentiate between a flashback and a reality, even if it is – the flashback is disturbing. So it would be really uncommon or unlikely for a flashback to be so disturbing that she would have a heart attack at like 19. But then again, she has been doing amphetamine. So I can't say that this is completely impossible. The heart attack is where, like, I don't want to say, like, you had me before, like, but that's where you lose me. Because, like, before it's like, okay, the story is is just kind of ridiculous. It's got demons in it. But, like, you're like, this, like, okay, now she has a heart attack. That's a bit deus ex machina for me. So, I, but, like, I guess if you're a Christian fundamentalist, like, if you're the audience for this comic, you probably think that all drugs are the same anyway. So, you think that crack, smack, pot, like, they're all referring to the same drug, which is, of course, dope. Right. It's all dope. <laughs> yeah, it's all dope. So Chick does show a really hilarious pattern of mixing street names for drugs in a weird way that does make you doubt whether he's 100% for sure on what any of them are. There's another comic which includes the phrase, acid, dust, smack, coke, weed, and black beauties. And the just the... <laughs> The rhythm of that phrase. I don't know. Just something about it cracked me up. What the f*** are black beauties? Uh, amphetamines, apparently. Oh. And and dust is PCP, which I also had to ask somebody about. I knew that. I knew because it was angel dust. Because of angel dust. So, yeah, I, I should have known that, but I didn't. <laughs> right. No, but like it makes – I was thinking about what like what are black – but it makes sense because it's pill form because like they would refer to the color of the pill. So, I mean, it's it's not different from, like, when people are talking about Xanax, they're talking about bars. 
Right. Because they're in like, it's in like bar shape, like when rappers talk about that. But like, what, like that makes so much sense. But like back in the day, it would vary greatly within your locality because like the pills in the UK, I guess, wouldn't be the same color as the ones in the US. So if you ever listen to like the, the album Quadrophenia by The Who, there's all of these references to blues, you know, the, the word blues, you're talking about blues all the time. Well, blues is apparently slang for amphetamines because they were blue pills. Right. So I, I had to ask what somebody what black beauties were, but it cracks me up to think of this like Christian yeah, fundamentalist so guy like drawing those words. He's just trying to scare people. I mean, black beauties is a scary sounding name, right? Right. Anyway, young Ashley, she has a heart attack and she's in the hospital now. She has a heart attack and the grandma prays that she will get one more chance to tell her about Jesus before she dies. So the grandma visits her in the hospital and Ashley has like a, a moment of lucidity, uh, gets saved, accepts Jesus, and then promptly dies like a couple hours later. Back. Mm. So so the next panel, we're back to Satan's boardroom and the demon who is supposed to be in charge of bringing Ashley to hell, like preventing her from getting saved so she would go to hell. The demon is getting like chewed out by the devil. And I just want to bring like bring up Satan's boardroom once again, because that's like 100 percent how this is present. Like Satan is the CEO and all of these various demons and evil spirits are like different partners in Hell Corp. It's <laughs> yeah. Like at the beginning, the, the demons are showing him like business charts of how well they are getting people to sin. Like there's a chart and it's labeled pornography and it shows like an upward graph, like a stock market graph, <laughs> like growing over time. It's so funny. I mean, I, you got to wonder that, like, what kind of benefits does does Hellcorp offer to its partners? Like, are they like if they're if they're looking to headhunt some top tier evil beings, they've got to be able to put together a good package. Dude, I assume that the devil probably gives his employees more vacation days than most people get in America. Yeah, I mean, the devil you know probably the gives like six weeks paid vacation. Damn, that's tempting, dude. <laughs> well, the devil. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know what though? Like, I would. It would be good to know what days the devil is on a vacation. Although I feel like people are like the devil don't take a vacation. Like, yeah. no, I, I feel like I want to know what days the devil is on vacation so I can sim all I want, and then he like won't notice or won't be able to use that against me and like sneak into my soul. I mean, do you typically go around like purposely avoiding <laughs> sin? I, no shade. I just that doesn't seem like you. Beyond the usual, like not killing people on the basic kind of stuff. That doesn't Fair. seem like your jam. Well, I can tell you that I've never committed the sin of uh, wearing camo to a satyr. So there is that. So anyway, the devil is chewing out his employee demon for not successfully getting ashley to hell and and then the last frame of this comic is the grandmother praying by jello ashley's grave thanking jesus that ashley got saved before she died the end it is mm. a very abrupt ending on this comic yes yeah, so, like does it say how old ashley was when she died it does not say like all we know is that she had a pregnancy scare at 14 and then ran away from home at 15 and then at some point subsequent to that, she started doing a crap ton of acid. Yeah. So Ashley, her life is very alarming. Like I mean, she lived a short life. She did a ton of drugs. She partied super hard and then died abruptly and went to heaven. Yep. Yeah. So like, to be honest, like I, I know this is supposed to be like a cautionary tale, but what I'm getting from this is that you can like do all the drugs you want and 
if you accept Jesus on your deathbed, you will still get into heaven. That is going to be a real common thread with these chick comics. A really big majority of them are you see somebody doing bad things and then there's a last minute 180 into heaven, usually because their aunt or grandma or mother or some other righteous person was praying for them to get saved. The exception is the Catholic ones, which usually you see somebody doing a whole bunch of good things, but saying that they don't need to get saved. And then at the end, there is a gleeful representation of the Catholic person being thrown into hell. So Jack Chick just really hates Catholics. Yeah. Um, So I, I mentioned the title of one of the comics, which is Are Roman Catholics Really Christians? There's also one called The Death Cookie, which is his reference to our Eucharist. Yeah, not great. (laughs) And a a lot of these, like a lot of what he has to say about Catholics, it's based on just really weird and incorrect ideas about Catholicism in general. So in, in the first one I mentioned, for example, Chick Follows a Woman's Life talks about the different sacraments that she receives. Now, Catholics believe that we go to heaven by God's grace, period, which is the same thing that Protestants believe. We... We believe that the sacraments are different ways that we receive God's grace. But ultimately, we don't go to heaven because of our participation in any given sacrament. We go to heaven because Jesus died for us. But Jack Chick and a lot of the IFBs, for some reason, they have it in their heads that we teach that the sacraments themselves take you to heaven. That's not, which is not what we believe at all. Like if you have, the sacraments are like the expression of God's grace. If you have a partner uh, who loves you, They can love you, but you can't see their love. It's not physical or visible. So your partner might express love for you in ways that you can see or feel, like physically, verbally, by doing things for you or cooking you dinner or spending time with you or getting you a gift, like all the different ways that we show love. We can't see grace, and God expresses that grace in a tangible way in the sacraments. They're a, an ac- a, a way to access that grace, not the way to access the grace or not the way to get into heaven. Okay. So he's just deliberately like misrepresenting. He's just like so misinformed or just deliberately being wrong. And it's hard to know which one. But Chick starts off by saying that baptism exercises demons. No, mm-hmm. I, I literally just had to take a class for Chuck to get baptized that that's not the teaching. Then he says that Catholics are are dual citizens, both of the Vatican and whatever country we were born into, and that we are taught that the Pope has both religious and governmental authority over us, mm. which is also just not true. So this one, this is interesting to me to listen to because this is you know the dual loyalty trope. That, oh yeah. That- we get where uh, they're like, oh, Jews are more loyal to Israel than they are to whatever country that they live in, which is uh-huh. deeply anti-Semitic, is a, a a classic form of anti-Semitism that is just like. Yeah. Right so yeah. occasionally. You guys are getting it too. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally we get a little bit of that too. Um, you ever read, I'm sure you've read what they said about JFK when he was running for office. Oh, yeah. It was pretty gross. Yeah. So Chick, after after invoking that trope, Chick just kind of goes on and on picking apart every sacrament. So I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of that here. The next interesting thing he says is he says that the the Eucharist comes from ancient Egyptian ritual, and then he tries to demonize it that way. 
Um, and I think if if Catholics are intellectually honest, then we realize that different rituals of our church came from different ancient rituals, and that's just how it is. I think it's I think it's intellectually dishonest to try to deny that. But he he makes that out to be like uh, because the ancient Egyptians were extra demonic for some reason that Chick never fully explains. Then we get a little bit of the Christian persecution narrative because he talks about how the church executed people who were anti transubstantiation. And that may be true. I'm not 100% on that history, but I recognize that the church has done some real shitty things through the years. Um, the thing that I think is most interesting, though, about what he has to say about the Eucharist is he says that Catholics teach that the priest, and this is a quote, can pull Christ out of heaven, put him on the cross, and sacrifice him again during Mass. I wanted to address that one real quick because Catholics actually teach something radically different. Uh, Catholics teach that Christ's sacrifice on the cross is perpetual, not ongoing, not repeatable, but rather one event that is good for all of space and time. But we do not at all teach that 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 mass or transubstantiation re-sacrifices Christ. Anyway, Chick just like is it's all misinformation, and I just wanted to address a couple of like the more major points of it. I wonder where he got all this. I'm going to tell you in a second. Okay. So Chick just goes on. He goes on. He picks apart the Pope. He picks apart all the sacraments. Uh, There's another comic where he portrays Satan instructing the Pope on how to gain power and lead the world away from salvation. And in that comic, he portrays the Pope as just an ugly, repulsive man, which is just mean and doesn't lend his doctrinal teachings any actual credence. That's just mean spirited. So he finishes up this comic, and the quote that he finishes with is, Jesus hates this false religious system. So if your question is that if Jack Chick hated Catholics, I think we can confidently say yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this all just, it seems to me like this is all just arguments in bad faith in order to justify prejudices that people, like, probably already hold. So there is one specific anti-Catholic comic that I want to get to, though. Because it goes a bit above and beyond all of this. Um, this is a chick tract, a, a comic that is called Holocaust. And we're, we'll, we'll have a link to it uh, in the show notes. But in case you were wondering, the name it is named Holocaust because, yes, this comic is a comic in which Jack Chick blames the Roman Catholic Church for the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, the guy from Saturday Night Live that is like, this club has everything. <laughs> yes. This chick track has everything. <laughs> We've got Nazis. We've got anti Catholic stuff. We've got Messianic Judaism. Like, there's just, there's so much here. Yeah. This, this comic is bizarre. This guy is like a walking boomer Facebook page on steroids. Yes. I'm sorry, yeah. on sixty on sixty trips with acid mixed with speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean it's I mean it's 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 so bizarre. It's like it's hard to see what's going on here because I guess like we we begin the comic. There's like a neo Nazi rally or something. Go I don't know. It's like at the beginning of Blues yeah, I think Brothers. There's like yeah, yeah. Chicago Nazis. <laughs> Illinois Nazis. Yeah, that's I what hate it is. Illinois Nazis. Yeah, that's what's going on. But then also the JDL or some colonists are showing up and 
Well, okay, so there's there's this neo-Nazi rally, and there's this old Jewish man, like grandpa age, who is a Holocaust survivor. And I think what is trying what is going on here is he just happens to be walking by the neo-Nazi rally. Like he didn't know it was there that day. And he's with his yeah. granddaughter and some random dude. Like that's what I'm seeing here. I for one thought it was extremely weird to see the JDL name checked in this comic. Um so for those who are unfamiliar, the JDL or the Jewish Defense League was a violent Jewish extremist organization that was responsible for numerous terrorist attacks. Like so they've they've like they gained some level of popularity because they were extremely like pro-Jewish and they had strong rhetoric against like various entities that were oppressive towards Jewish people, like such as the Soviet Union. So they they were founded by this guy named called Meyer Kahana, who like if you've ever heard somebody use the word Kahanist, like th- like they're talking about his followers and they have like a violently racist ideology where they believe that like all the Arabs in Israel are enemies of the country and they should be kicked out and that Israel should be a theocratic state. So for obvious reasons, the Israeli government decided that their political parties should be banned, um, which, you know makes perfect sense to me anyway it's extremely weird to see them like pop up in this random comic like i'm not aware that like regular people know who they are i didn't know who they were i saw the acronym and i think i might have googled the acronym or he might have put a little footnote that said jewish defense league but i wouldn't have known who they were it does not go into who they are at all it just drops the name and then moves on yeah, because somebody's like, oh, man, if the JDL shows up, it'll get real. Na-. Like, I mean, if the JDL showed up to a neo-Nazi rally, it would get real ugly real fast. But anyway, like this grandpa starts shouting something about is is the grandpa shouting filthy Christian swan? Like yeah. That seemed odd to me that he was saying. Yeah, that. it kind of gives you the feeling that the author does not know any Jewish people in real life. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I, the grand, the grandpa would have some choice words. Pro- like if I were rewriting this, I would. The grandpa would have some choice words, but they would be in Yiddish, or they'd be in Polish, or they'd be in Russian. It wouldn't be in English. I mean, filthy Christian swan. Like that's not something that he that like he would say. Pro- like those words, do, like they don't go together. Yeah, I mean, and I totally yeah. understand the grandpa wanting to cuss out some Nazis. Like that's totally valid, but I've heard a lot of words yelled at or yelled about Nazis, and Christian has literally never been one of them. Yeah, like that's not what you say to a Nazi. I hate Nazis because they're Christian. Like no, no, no. But but this comic like immediately pivots. So there's there's a neo-Nazi rally. This old Jewish man apparently didn't know it was going on. He walked by it. He yelled at the nazis and then this comic like hard the first of several hard turns it pivots to this random dude who is hanging out with the jewish grandpa and this random dude says mr weiss you were in an inquisition yeah and so this random dude i mean this random dude looks like a nazi he looks more like a nazi than the actual nazis he's like very much like a blonde hair blue eyed like 
chiseled jaw, like six foot. He looks like the Ubermensch. Yeah. Is is like they're like, hey, here's a Nazi. Here's the Ubermensch right here. But he's going to be like interesting choice uh, on the part of Jack Chick. And not one that I think that I can say that I fully understand. But you know what, Jack Chick, if that's where your heart is taking you in this comic, I just got to follow your heart, I guess. I don't I don't know that this decision seems odd to me. But yeah, and like I don't it. understand. This guy is not made out to be Jewish at all. No, he's just some but random like, guy. He's with this this old this old man and a young lady who looks like she could probably be his granddaughter. I think the young lady calls him grandpa, but now I can't remember off the top of my head. But like, is this the granddaughter's boyfriend? And if the old man hates Christians so bad, why is the girlfriend? Why is the granddaughter dating a Christian man? None of this makes sense. There's just so many questions. So anyway, we start with we like we start with Nazis. We we make this detour through the J- JDL, and then we all of a sudden pivot with this Mary Sue dude, whose presence is completely unexplained. Who is saying to this old man, "You were in you were in an Inquisition, and chances are you are about to live through another one right here in the United States." So anyway, this guy who looks like the, the propaganda poster for the Luftwaffe starts. Yeah, he does. He, he, I mean, he starts explaining to an elderly Jewish man what the Spanish Inquisition was, as if this old man did not know. But apparently, he had never heard of it, which is very strange that a, a old Jewish man would not know what the Spanish Inquisition was. Ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah yeah I, i've heard of it once or twice yeah i mean they murdered and uh forcibly converted thousands of jewish people for literally hundreds of years but this guy i guess he's he's never heard of it then uh this this ugh, I, I, you know this guy who looks like uh fake captain america john walker <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, it, it makes the claim uh, a very bold claim, which is one I have heard before. But is like this this man boldly claims that Adolf Hitler was a devoted Catholic. There are several sources that debunk this. And I also wanted to say so the sources that Chick uses for quotes from Hitler. OK, let me back up. There are sources that debunk Hitler being a Catholic. He was baptized Catholic, but he was never a devoted church member or follower of the catholic church's teachings the what's more interesting though so chick uses sources for these quotes from hitler where he talks about being a catholic and he uses sources in fact for a lot of this tract and he uses the same sources for a lot of the anti-catholic tracts and i just want to say these sources are highly suspect sorry highly suspect one source that he uses is alberto rivera alberto rivera was literally just a con man and a liar and he is going to get his own episode one day just just mm-hmm. a con man he he is just a liar nothing you can't trust anything he says another source that chick uses is a book called the secret history of the jesuits and that book is by a man named edmund paris and that book is published by chick publications so that's that's so funny. so he's like quoting himself in his own email signature yeah <laughs> so his sources for hitler being a catholic are terrible and so are his sources for literally everything he says about the catholic church edmund paris and alberto rivera are both just conspiracy theory peddlers 
One of them was published by Chick. The other one was his close friend and a proven con man whose own story doesn't match itself. Rivera, he he claims that he was a Catholic priest and learned all these secrets about the Vatican and like went in the Vatican secret library and probably saw that menorah that we owe you guys and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. The gold menorah that's uh, it's underneath the ping pong table in the Vatican basement is where it is. Yeah. But like he I mean, if if, uh, if we have it, he claims to have seen it. But but his story doesn't match up. Like there are lies all over his story, and it's probable that he was never even a priest. But we'll, we're going to get into him. So this is extremely important to say because, like, there has been a lot of intrigue into Hitler's religious. Like everybody wants to like study Hitler. Everyone wants to talk about Hitler uh, because I mean he's he's so monumental, so fascinating, and so evil. But especially be, like because you know I mean he was famous for committing a genocide against a religious group uh so there's going to be a lot of intrigue into his religious beliefs but like hitler was what he was baptized and confirmed in the catholic church but after this like there's evidence that he was not a religious man in any meaningful way and also like the nazi regime engaged in a crusade against catholicism against christianity in general and something like a third of Catholic priests in, in Germany and, and Poland got sent to like concentration camps. They weren't like earmarked for extermination the same way that Jews in Romany were, but they were persecuted. And like the Nazi regime also had like this deep fascination with paganism. So mm-hmm. like the, the saying that Hitler was a like that's just a lie. Like the Nazi regime, they they persecuted the jews he he hated the jews because of their race because of their ethnicity not because of religion it's i mean it's the same reason why his regime also waged genocide against the romany people it was about racial purity it was not about religion it was about racial purity so to say that the nazis were pro-christianity or pro-catholic or whatever is like just deeply false yeah but chick he needs hitler to be a catholic for plot reasons that if you use the term plot very very loosely yeah so I mean, chuck this, has like, the hiccups I, let me know if you can hear it i can hear it a little bit it's fine okay. though um but like this is uh, i i want to add on to this that many catholics also face persecution under the nazi regime and that many catholics risked death by protecting jewish friends and neighbors and just regular people and doing the right thing and they like deserve to be recognized for that so yeah that's hitler nazi regime not catholic not christian that like and trying to represent them as such is wrong and bad and evil and you shouldn't do it yeah the church is not blameless in a lot of world history and the church is not blameless in our past relationship with jewish people And it would be totally wrong to claim either one of those things. But I am confident that the church did not orchestrate World War II or World War I, for that matter, as this comic claims. And uh, I am also very confident that the Catholic Church did not appoint Hitler to kill all the Jews. No. And if you're using the – yeah, if you are using the Holocaust as a rhetorical tool to make some point about something like this, you are committing an act of anti-Semitism and you should be ashamed of yourself. Yes. Um, and you should change literally everything about your personality uh, because like, I mean, people try to personally relate to victims, which I guess is good because, you know, if you're looking at a situation and you're like, who do I identify most with? Do I identify most with the person who is being evil or the person who is having evil done to them? Well, you want to be like the person with the evil being done to them, right? Because 
Otherwise, you'd be like, yeah, I'm the bad guy. I'm evil. Like, because like you want to be empathetic, but then they will get extremely weird about this and just assume anything that happens that they don't like equals the Holocaust. And this can range from people eating meat. Like I've seen vegans being like and and PETA being like uh, uh, eating animals is equivalent to the Holocaust, um, oh, which is. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. And I've also you know seen people being like oh having to get a covid vaccine before i can go to a football game that's like labeling me the vaccine passports are labeling people like they labeled the jews and the like no oh, i saw that one. Oh, that one makes me mad so that's the thing right not only is this comic just spewing clouds of toxic misinformation in every possible direction it's also blatantly using this fictional old Jewish man as a prop to tell the story. This story is not about him. It's just invoking the Holocaust and people's tragic experiences to make a point. And that is gross. Yeah, it, it really is stupid. I hate it. That's awful. Like, message. Hey, buddy. It's okay. Message to people who are not Jewish. The Holocaust is not about you. Don't compare things to the Holocaust. Unless you're Romani. Yes. Then it is also about you. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people were per, uh, persecuted under the Nazi regime, but it was like specifically Jews and Romani who were the ones who were like specifically targeted for extermination. And I do want to make sure that I talk about this because um, and I, I bring them up because they were their community was like similarly devastated, just like the Jew, like half the Roma in Europe were murdered and like half the Jews in Europe were murdered. So like, and they've also continued to face a lot of persecution um, in the world since that time. So can't forget them. Yeah. That was a good reminder. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Holocaust, what I, what I mean to say is it is not to be used as a metaphor for anything that you don't like. Period. You, I feel like it's fair to compare the Holocaust to other acts of genocide. If you're not using it in a, like a who had it worse kind of way. Yeah. But if you're using it in like, like a, oh, well, there were this many million people com- killed in this one and this many million in the Holocaust, like just to give us a sense of the number, that's okay, that's fine. But you do not compare the Holocaust to, to things that inconvenience you, not to being told to wear a mask on an airplane, not to vaccines, not to the birth control pill. Please stop. Yeah. So this is where the comic really goes off the rails, though, because after because so so it, it blames Hitler being like it blames the Catholic Church for the Holocaust and also for both world wars. But after that, it says that American immigration policies let in hundreds of thousands of Catholic immigrants because more people in Congress are secretly Catholic than we know about. And that they they have they have loose immigration policies because they want these hundreds of thousands of Catholic immigrants to come in and make America a Catholic nation. It implicates both Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton in this conspiracy theory. That is very it's very weird that they would like say that Ronald Reagan is a secret Catholic because he was like the poster child for the uh, white evangelical Protestants. To be fair to Jack Chick, Ronald Reagan, A, was really into astrology. Look it up. That's 100% true. Literally every move the Reagan administration made had to be done at the time that was deemed opportune by the Reagan's astrologer. 
astrology, according to Jack Chick, is evil. So maybe that goes along with him being a pawn of the Catholic Church. I don't know. Just trying to figure out where the this guy's ideas came from. No, it it was he also though. Was he also though into letting the Vatican get so much power in the United States that they will soon be able to legally kill all Jews and Protestants? Because that's what this comic says is the next part of the plan. It's like insane. I assume that what he with the immigration, what he's talking about is that Ronald Reagan granted amnesty to like hundreds of thousands of Mexican immigrants. Yeah, I think that's what he's referencing. Yeah, it's, but like I, if you're just I don't know smoking crack and just <laughs> like got tinfoil hats or something like that's where you would think that this is going. I don't know. I think it's funny how this like David Duke looking guy is talking about all of this like with regards to U.S. immigration because like this is all being narrated by like this blonde hair blue eye like this guy who looks like a literal Nazi propaganda poster and he's talking about all of this stuff about U.S. immigration policy when the like the United States like and this is true that with regards to the United States they turned away scores of Jewish refugees fleeing the Nazi regime and sent many of them back to Europe where they would eventually be slaughtered. That literally happened. Yeah. And I think that Chick thinks that all of that was part of the Catholic Church's 100-year plan to make America into a Catholic state or something. Because the bottom line here is that this comic says that the church was behind the Holocaust and the church now not only wants to kill all the Jews, but also that the church wants to kill all the Protestants as well. See, I like I never thought I would see the day when people are using like blood libel against Catholics, but here we are. <laughs> Jack Chick, I I know I told you to follow your heart earlier, but I think that maybe you should stop following it because it is taking you into terrible places. Uh, you are not exactly covering yourself in glory with this take right here. So after 20 pages of this, this comic takes another hard turn on page 21. So the old Jewish man right here, the, like literally the very end, he says, and this is a quote, the reason I never accepted Jesus as the Messiah is because those who claim to be his followers treated me so cruelly. Yeah. So one, once again, <laughs> Jack Chick makes it abundantly clear that he knows zero Jewish people and nothing about Jewish theology. But once again, the Jewish people are not the target for this track. Like, He's assu- I, I assume that whoever the target audience for this tract is doesn't know any Jewish people either. Uh, and so I was that's thinking the only explanation. maybe we yeah. could test this theory and see if it works. Go for it. Want to give this a try? Okay. Yeah. Hey, Gavi, did you know that Catholics are not really Christians? Hitler was a Catholic. The Catholic Church orchestrated both world wars and the Holocaust – Also, did you know that there is a Catholic conspiracy involving immigration, Jesuits, and Ronald Reagan to make America a Catholic country where Jews and Protestants will be executed? So now that you know all of that, are you totally ready to to convert to Protestant Christianity? I'm not. uh, Sorry. But how how did that not work? See, I I think it's funny. Because it always seems like with yeah, I mean that's that's literally what he's doing though. This is like this is the plan. This is how we get him. But like it always seems like with evangelicals, they think like maybe if we try really, really, really hard to be nice to the Jews, 
they will see the light of Christ in us and convert. But the, like, this is so disingenuous because it's not like they're being nice to us because it's the right thing to do or because they want to be friends with us. They're being nice to us because they have an ulterior motive and we can smell that shit mile away like we know when you want to convert us and we know when you're trying to be on the dl about it you think you're being stealthy and sneaky about it but you're not like we know so it seems like this chick guy's theory was was bunk yes but like there once again the jews aren't the target audience for this comic the the target what he's trying to do is he's trying to get people to read it people read it and they're like okay well Maybe if I, you know, maybe these are techniques that work for me. They're trying, he's trying to make other people think these stupid things about the Jews and the Catholics that they could convert us. And yeah, uh, I, I yeah. think, I think maybe, maybe his whole theory though about like when you find out about the Catholic conspiracy, the first thing you're going to do is be like, oh, well, get me some Jesus. Yeah. That apparently didn't work out as well as he thought it would. No. Hmm. I mean, like, look, I, sh- I know like I know we talked about how Jack Chick like he does he he didn't know anything about drugs. We talked about how he doesn't know anything about drugs, but this theory leads me to believe that he was a daily user of crack cocaine. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. Jokes aside though, the end of this comic is this old guy converts to Christianity. And I just this I just wanted mm. to say again, this is so inappropriate. This man was never a real character. It was never about him. He mentioned his family who died in the Holocaust, and they are literally just props for Jack Chick's story. He just shows up and gets lectured for 20 pages. Yes, this this man was just a sounding board for the white Christian character. And in the end, he got saved as a plot point. Chick did not even try to hide that he just used Judaism and the Holocaust as buzzwords. And this is this is honestly disgusting. Like we yeah. can joke about it all day, but this is this is bad. Well, it, it's weird to me, and it isn't that weird to me because it's weird in concept, but it isn't weird in that. Like, okay, yeah, I've seen this before because this is how a lot of people think about the Holocaust, and this isn't exclusive to Christian evangelicals either. Because like I've like white leftists especially love to paint themselves in the whole like. I would have been a victim of the Holocaust because they targeted socialists too, or like they'll use Nazi punching as like and as like an aesthetic. They're like, yeah, anarchist revolution punch Nazis, and then they'll simultaneously enable like and and platform some of the worst anti semites that are prominent today. You, okay, you know what kind of energy this brings whenever somebody like really appropriates the Holocaust. So, do you remember? that episode of the office, that early episode of the office where they have to do like diversity training and Michael anoints himself, Martin Luther King jr. Yes. So when you are, when you like talk about the Holocaust, uh, like with, with that, like that's the kind of energy that you're bringing and it's absolute like raw cringe just all day. I agree with you. I think this example in the chick tract it's so ham-fisted that it's impossible to ignore. But this is this is the kind of thing. This example is so, so, so obvious. But I think once I've seen that, I think I'll notice more when other people do the same thing in a more subtle way. Yeah. 
And I mean, like I, the thing is with like, is that I know Holocaust survivors. I've met them when I was a kid, there were kids in my class and at Hebrew school whose grandparents were survivors. These are like real people who, I mean, at this point, they're like all in like their eighties and nineties They're but they're elders in our community. These aren't abstract concepts or ideas of victimhood that you can just project onto anybody, especially not yourself. These like, this was like a real thing that happened to real people who are still alive. Okay. That was a great phrase. These are not abstract concepts or ideas of victimhood. Yeah. Anyway, so we need to move on because there is one more comic that we've got to talk about. So we had to get this one in real quick because it is just hilarious. Yeah. So we join a group of 16s that are so cool that their favorite baseball team must be the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> and they're, yes. yeah, they're sitting around a table and they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Dun dun. Like so yeah. sinister. D&D, uh, yeah. yeah. So this this comic is called Dark Drag Dark Dungeons, by the way. Um, so in this in the first couple pages, one of the players from this D D game has their character killed and they are forced to leave the game. And then immediately after that, we learn that when you get to a high enough level in Dungeons and Dragons, you can get invited to join a real coven. Wow. Yeah, here's the quote. The intense occult training through Dungeons and Dragons prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. So I just want to ask, like, is Jack Trick, Jack, <laughs> Jack Trick, Jack Chick, is he actually trying to discourage people from playing Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons? Or is he like trying to make it sound fing awesome? <laughs> uh, let's keep reading and find out. So uh Debbie, the the character who got invited to join a coven, uh, she is now able to cast real life spells. She casts a spell on her father and he buys her two hundred dollars worth of D D figures and manuals. Look, I mean, I'm not big into D D. I played a few times in like middle school, went to a friend's house. We did it a few times in middle school. But like if playing D&D gave you magic powers to do spells and I would have done literally nothing else with my time. Okay, like who needs college or even like a high school education when you can literally like out of like make food appear out of thin air? You can fly which is an incredibly lucrative and useful skill. I could, you know, if I could fly, I could have my own show in Vegas. I would live like an absolute king. Like, imagine that, like, if the government is trying to make an army of flying super soldiers and they're just like, hey, Gavi, how'd you learn how to fly like that? I'd be like, you know, it was D&D. And they got the whole army and navy and air force and marines just playing D and D all through basic training, leveling up super hard. Like I want, like I want to live in Jack Chick's reality, maybe just for like a day. I do. Oh, I'm not into living in Jack Chick's reality because in his world, people are always getting like kidnapped and murdered by Satanists, uh, or looking in the mirror to see their face melting off. And yeah, also, but then they'll do spells on you, and then you get magic powers. It's like no, it's like X Men. Now I don't want to get thrown in hell when I die either. But okay, so maybe though, may, here here's a, here's a thought. Maybe the Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons magic thing is real, but you just didn't get to a high enough level to be able to fly. Uh, 
Well, anyway, so in the story, Debbie is now able to cast real spells, but she goes to check on Marcy, who is the friend whose character dies, whose character died in the game. And she finds that Marcy has unfortunately killed herself. So Marcy left a note saying that she feels guilty that her character died and she can't face life alone without her D&D character. Mm, wow. Okay. So I, I don't see how D&D is to blame here because clearly Marcy was going through something. And I guess maybe, I don't know, her friends like weren't paying attention or they they should have known not to invite her because she just took the game too seriously. This is, yeah, this is, this is a, this is a, not a typical reaction to something going wrong in a D and D game. This is a very bizarre universe right here. I don't No, but no, like, like clearly Marcy had something else going on and this is, this is tragic. Yes. But so, but no people, people don't kill themselves over, some, a bad outcome in a D&D game. And you also, you don't kill off one of your friends. The way I understand that D&D is played. Like, you typically don't just kill somebody off for no reason and force them out of your game. Well, and you don't kill them off on purpose. Like, if they, if they like, decide, you know, say you're the dungeon master, right? And you're like, okay, you're facing a big troll or something. This troll is really powerful. How do you fight the troll? And then you're like, oh, I'm gonna run at the troll and, like, try to punch it in the face and you're like uh okay you run at the troll punch it in the face i'm gonna roll the dice here you roll the dice oh it looks like you got killed by the troll because punching it in the face was a terrible idea like that's what can happen in D, and then your character is dead um and then i don't know maybe somebody in your team is like a wizard and they use like a resurrection spell and bring you back i don't know much about D. &D. Uh, but, but like there's that's all yeah i mean i saw the community episodes where they played it that's about all i know about it but there's like resurrection spells or you can you can join the party as a new character like you don't just kick your friend out of the house no but like a lot of these times the people the characters will be like people characters that the people have been like working on for years and years and years and years and so they'll have the, they'll play the same character every day and like keep playing and keep playing and keep playing and keep playing and then, you know, it will be like an alter ego of sorts. And so, like, I mean, maybe your character will die, but then you'll get to, like, bring them back or whatever when you play a new quest or something. It's, it's I mean, D&D, &D, like, all it is is you go over to your friend's house, you go on a quest, and then you eat a bunch of snacks and you drink a bunch of soda and then you just hang out with your friends and just kind of, like, shoot the shit. It's, it's a good time. It's not like, oh, your character died in D&D. &D, now you can't hang out with us anymore. It's like, right. no, you just come back next week and you get to play again. Uh, maybe he's the same character. Maybe he's a different character. This is like this guy clearly does not know anything about D&D. &D. Right. But in in this hypothetical D&D &D game, uh, Marcy dies because she got kicked out of a D&D &D game and Debbie feels like it's her fault somehow. But the witch who runs the coven, who is also the dungeon master, says that Debbie shouldn't be sad. So Debbie goes to her friend Mike about this, and Mike takes her to see a preacher who came out of witchcraft himself. And this guy used to be in some kind of coven or something. And long story short, Debbie gets saved and then she burns all of her occult material. So Mike just happens to know the guy. Yeah, Mike just happens to walk by Debbie while she's crying in the woods or something. 
It's not um, clear. And Mike just ha- also also who just happened to walk by Debbie also just happens to know a guy who was once in via cult. And that guy happens to be preaching that night, like right nearby where they are. This is very poor story structure. Uh, nothing seems to be like caused by anything else. It's all just so random. You know, like I I just have to keep remembering that like that these are comics, right? So like in comic book logic, right? All of this stuff could sort of make sense if it was just like a not very good run of, of comics. But like, because like, what are the chances that Spider-Man's girlfriend's dad is the guy who's making crazy alien weapons and selling them to people? Like the, the chances of that are very low. But that like happens because that's like the plot of the movie. Or like, what are the chances that Winter Soldier is actually Captain America's best friend who was long thought dead and then captured and then brainwashed and then turned evil? Like, you know, like it's a cast of characters is very small. And so in order for it to like resonate emotionally, they have to all just be interlinked with one another. Yeah, this is very much like a comic book universe that Chick has created. But the issue is that he takes all of this incredibly seriously. Like, he truly believes or claimed that he believed that the Catholic Church was behind both world wars and that all Catholics are going to hell. Like, he really believes yeah. this stuff. So, like, what, what do they call his, what does he call his universe? Is it the Chickiverse? The Tractiverse? <laughs> is it the, the Unichick? My vote is for Chickiverse. <laughs> I can go Chick-a-verse. with that. The but Chick we- Cinematic Universe, the CCU. <laughs> Sure, but as we've been recording yeah. this, I think I've come to the conclusion that that we're going to need to come back and revisit this down the line and go over some of his other comics. We picked some great ones today, but honestly, we've just scratched the surface of what this author has to offer us. This is, this, this is just some wild. <laughs> I I don't I don't know. Like my question, like so, when you were collecting these as a kid, and you were reading them as a kid, and I like I know you were attracted to the the whichever one was just the creepiest or the goriest or the I don't know the the most uh, edgy. Did you like read these and you actually believed them, or was it just like oh chicks come out with another comic? Let's see what this one is. I actually I definitely believed this stuff. So how old were you when you found out that the Catholic Church wasn't actually behind all of the wars in the world? Oh, I don't know. Was that just something that you're like, oh, well, they were probably lying about that. And then you found out otherwise. And then I I have I have no idea. Hmm. Like, I, if that's a, like that's like that's not something you just like realize. It's something you learn over time. Yeah. Well, it, it's just interesting to me because. You went from like literally believing, oh, the Catholic Church caused the Holocaust to now you're like, okay, well, I have a daughter and my daughter is going to be raised in the Catholic Church. So there, there, that's like a spectrum right there. So I didn't read the Holocaust one growing up. Okay. Like, that's not one that I had access to. I do, I did read a lot of his other anti Catholic works, but I didn't, I didn't read the Holocaust one growing up. So it was more just like, okay, Catholics are going to hell that you believed rather than anything else. Yeah. And and there are definitely a lot of like Catholic conspiracy theories that are like centered within the Catholic church. Stuff about monks and nuns and the Pope and that kind of thing. So it's all the sort of stuff where you're like, okay, well, now that I don't believe that everybody who's not me is or, or me affiliated uh, like with my church who hasn't been saved in whatever by jesus specifically in this way 
now that I don't believe that all those people are going to hell, I guess I don't believe the Catholics are going to hell either. Well, it was it it's more that so there's two factors here. Number one, I no longer make decisions based on biblical literalism. It's not that I never make a decision based on what the on biblical truth or what the Bible says. Um, but I don't make every decision in my life. Like I don't decide what I wear based on the Bible. Hmm. Now I decide what I wear based on what's appropriate societally. Like I don't consult the Bible about my daily outfits anymore. Just like that. I don't consult the Bible about every minute decision of my life anymore. Uh, I still try to live a life that, that is in concordance with, with biblical truth or with the truth of God's love, but I don't, I don't lit, I don't use biblical literalism to make hardly any decisions about my life at this point in my life. Okay, so these, these just don't even like factor for. I... Well, also, so but about the Catholic Church, a lot of so I don't, I so a lot of his 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 problems with the Catholic Church are related to literal interpretations of Scripture. Um, we're related to the way that he interprets the scripture and the Catholic church has an interpretation of that same scripture verse that is equally logical and in some cases more logical or makes more sense to me. So it's, it's, it's about how he interprets it's, it's all goes back to biblical literalism because um, there, okay, there's a Bible verse that says you, you should have no father except for God or call no man father except for God. And the Baptists interpret that to mean that uh, Catholics are wrong because we call our priests father and we call the Pope Papa, which means father. But the Catholics have a different interpretation for that verse. So if you don't interpret that verse literally, that objection against the Pope goes away. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that does make sense. So as far as like learning what was true and what wasn't true, it's it's – that was a process, but it, it all goes back to the, to biblical literalism. Yeah. And I guess it also makes sense that like it clearly, you know, Jack Chick, I guess he's got some sort of ax to grind with the Catholic church. He really hates them. If you're going to learn about somebody, whether or, or a group of people, whether or not you think that group of people is good or bad, you know, it's best not to learn about them from the people who like specifically have an agenda against them. Yeah, because then you're going to, you know, like, you know, maybe some of the stuff you'll find out is true. Maybe some of the stuff you'll find out is like a legitimate gripe. But then some of the stuff you also might find out will be like a deliberate misrepresentation in order to make them look bad. But I, I think we are going to need to come back and, and revisit some of these comics down the line and go over some of the other things that he wrote, because we picked out some great ones today. But honestly, we've just so we've just scratched the surface with this guy. Like, there's so much more that he has to say. Yeah. I mean, usually I like to end on like a big point, you know, do so kind of poignantly. But I think that we've made several solid points throughout this episode. So this one's maybe a little bit more like a tapas plate than a full course meal. I guess that, like if there's one takeaway from these chick tracks is that if I or anybody like I know picked up one of these things and found it, like we would probably make fun of it for 10 minutes uh, while passing it around and then 
throw it in the trash. You're you're not going to be successful in converting people with these. But of course, I like that's not the point. The point is that people keep ordering them and keep leaving them around so that they're going to keep having to order them. And then Jack Chick is going to keep making money or like whoever's publishing them is going to keep making money. But they're all just nonsense. Yeah. And I'm I'm okay with leaving this episode a little bit open-ended. Because I know for sure that this will not be the last time that we talk about this guy. Yeah. No, we actually do have an episode later in the summer planned where we talk about more uh, uh, delicious content that Jack Chick has produced. Anyway, if you or uh, our listeners, if you uh, or uh, anyone you know grew up with tr- uh, Chick Tracks, please uh, email us your favorite ones at leavingedenpod at gmail.com or maybe we'll post a thread in the Facebook group or something. And, you know, you can leave a comment about it and we'll talk about those at, at, when we bring Chick up again because we're going to. So, Sadie, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap this one up? No, I think that's it for now. Uh, next week on the podcast, we're going to get into another true crime episode. Uh, after that, we have lots more great episodes coming up. I've also started posting. Oh, that's the thing. I started posting some of my writing on the Patreon so if you're a patron, go check that out. I shared an article um, that I wrote a while back about what The Handmaid's Tale gets right about surviving in a cult. That article is unpublished. So the only place you can see it at this point in time is on our Patreon. You're going to put that out for everybody eventually? Yeah. At some point, I will probably publish it. But I want to I want to start like pre-publishing things on the Patreon so that people there can see what I write before other people see it. Hmm. So I, I'm also I just want to say I'm glad that you're actually getting into this writing thing because I think that you've got a strong pen. Well, thank you. Um, I've always had just terrible writer's block. Like I, I know what I want to say and I write I, I get a lot of things down on like voice notes on my phone. But getting it actually written down is really rough for me. But when we were prepping for me to go on maternity leave, I was writing so much. Uh, and I think that that just getting into that habit really seemed to shake them, shake some things loose for me. I think being in the habit of writing all the time has helped me work on that writer's block that has caused me problems for so long. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my experience, just doing it is the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're going to wrap up now. Uh, just a few reminders. If you are a queer person who grew up in the IFB or a an otherwise religious fundamentalist, group that was repressive uh please send us your stories they could be happy they could be sad they could be a, a story about your journey a story about your uh one specific experience that you had uh but please send them to us at leaving at gmail.com please include your name your correct pronouns and your uh and whether or not we can name you on the air or not and then we will uh we might pick it to read on the air read on an episode because we really want to focus on you guys during june during pride month uh so that's when we're going to be doing that and all that lgbtq themed content that we're excited for once again uh my name is gavriel hakawan you can find me on facebook instagram twitter and clubhouse at g-a-v-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n this has been the leaving eden podcast you can find the podcast on facebook and instagram at leaving eden podcast on twitter at leaving eden pod you can join our clubhouse club and our facebook group both of those are called eden exodus and you can send us an email uh if you've got questions at leaving eden pod at gmail.com sadie do you want to plug your social media 
Yep. You can find me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. And you can follow yes. the podcast on TikTok, which is, hold on, it's Leaving Eden Podcast. I always forget if it's podcast or pod. I keep I keep forgetting that TikTok is a thing, but okay. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we will hear from you or soon, hopefully, and then we will keep talking next week. Uh, next week, what are we talking about next week? Uh, at this point, we are planning on doing the Joe and uh, Evangeline Combs scandal. Okay, so this is like a serious, serious, serious crew crime episode that we're going to do next week. So stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a deep uh, investigative journey that we're going to take. Uh, very dark, very sad. Uh, and until then, uh, you have a nice day. Uh, bye bye. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.